Jupiter Ascending describes Sean Bean's character as a Han Solo type. I saw that. Oh, man, they tried. <laughs> they really tried. <laughs> Hello, everyone. They... Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. We're on season two of the failed blockbusters. This is another episode that is coming out after our intended monkey bone recording. So if there's anything we bring up now that is answered two episodes prior, um, that's why. So we're here to talk about the Wachowski sisters, Jupiter Ascending, the 2015 film, which was pretty much eviscerated upon release by critics and a lot of audiences, but not everyone. Uh, it was also a major box office bomb. This is why we're talking about it. Do that whole intro again, but do it in Eddie Redmayne's voice. We're here! No, I'm, <laughs> I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me is my co-host, Macaringo. Hi. Oh, oh I should. I, I was going to say this before we started recording, but I forgot to. Um, hey, my Monkey Bone DVD has still not arrived. All right. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. It was supposed to be here Monday. It says Monday on the thing. Uh, it is Tuesday currently. Um, yeah, so hmm. we'll get we'll get to we'll get back to Monkey Bone. You haven't um, seen the last of Pizza Papa Monkey Bone. Yeah, seen, oh no! Oh, there's a team up. I know. I know. I was. You know what? It feels like Bruce Campbell should have popped up in this movie. He could have fit. Like, he feels like the guy you get when you can't get seven other guys. <laughs> Aww. I love Bruce Campbell, but that feels like his wheelhouse. Unfortunately, yeah. Or if you um, make Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. Yeah, but then, like, he's too busy doing something else, so he has to die ten minutes into Maniac Cop 2. Yeah, but then the rest of the movie is Maniac Cop 2, so it's fine. Yeah. Those are some wild movies. I know, I know. The third one's kind of a dud, but... That first one's, like, surprisingly good, and Maniac Cop 2. Everyone, go watch Maniac Cop 2. Whoever is sitting on the rights, how did you not take advantage of the last few years? Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn is working on a television version. I know, but, like, that's not gonna happen. You don't think so? So, no, it won't. Well, maybe but... now people are too, uh, like... And I wouldn't even say, like, this is a... This is an inappropriate response. I'm just saying, like, they're probably looking at the state of the world and reacting to police in general right now, and they're like, you know what? Mm. Maybe we don't need that right now. No, uh, what happened was uh, this country got mobilized in a way it hasn't gotten mobilized since the announcement of the Iraq War. And much like the protests for the Iraq War, um, the media didn't take it seriously. It resulted in zero change, and then a few years later, the Democrat endorsed the Republican position. So, uh, people are now just like, I don't even want to talk about the idea of cops. You know, that's probably what happened. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah. So, congratulations, Nate Silver, who probably told someone somewhere that being anti-cop wouldn't help the Democrats. Well, Joe Biden just wants to be friends with the Republicans. Joe we, Biden need, is a we need a strong Republican Party. Yeah. That's what these fuckers want. 
It's 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 so stupid. Know. It's so stupid. How do the Democrats not like? Here's the thing: we should all be worried about like the shift this country's going in. But like when it does happen, they're just gonna kill the Democrats. Like, if you're a politician, you know. Yeah. That's what they tried to do. <laughs> I don't know how they think they're the safe ones. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'd be genuinely worried if I was them. Speaking of safe, you know what else isn't safe? The Wachowski filmography. Earth. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Wachowski sisters' filmography. Because they do nothing if not take massive, massive swings. Massive swings that paid off uh, once. <laughs> and then they've, they made a bunch of other movies. Uh, but hey, you know. Matt, what do you think about Jupiter Ascending? I like this movie. Uh, it's uh, de- it's probably at the bottom of my Wachowski ranking, uh, but it's still better than a lot of other stuff. Yeah, uh, it's probably bottom Wachowski for me too. Like if I had to rank, um, mm-hmm. but I also really like it a lot. Yes. <laughs> I think I remember comparisons to like the Phantom Menace when it was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Phantom Men. I'm a prequel defender now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say th- this is at least like in the same like moderate ballpark. Um, it is much less stilted. I think there's mm-hmm. an energy to the action that's just not in something like Phantom Menace or yeah. Attack of the Clones. It's one of those movies where there's a lot of the visuals are great, the ideas are great, the action's great. Uh, the story is kind of, and it's not, I don't, it's like, it's, it's a structural issue, you know? I think, um, I, I would agree with that. I think, it, it's I think the, it's, of all their films, it's the one that moves the least smoothly, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's really clunky. And then once you figure it out, like, cause it, it just takes, like, they throw so much at you, which is exactly what you don't want to do with a, a movie like this. It's just like bombard the audience with like 17 different threads that all feel like different movies and credit to the Wachowskis all those threads do come together but there's so much that I could see people just giving up at a certain point Mm -hmm. and just not wanting to be involved in it and then when when it does come together the plot itself is like actually really simple yeah and it's uh, it's kind of amazing that it's it the beginning is so needlessly complicated. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider in comparison to The Matrix, which is a movie that is arguably very complicated for the average person to get into, and is told about as smoothly as you could. Yeah. I mean, which I bet the pitch if... for this movie was, we want to do what The Matrix did for science fiction, we want to do for science like fantasy. Yeah. We want to do that for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's the discovery of a world just outside of our reality, right? Mm -hmm. No one else can really see what's going on above Earth. Uh, Jupiter's the one that gets caught up in it and becomes, like, vital to, like, this this space class warfare. I mean, she's a destined person. Yeah, it's it's very similar, and I bet the sequels, had they happened, would have been further deconstructions of science, fantasy, Star Wars-esque mythology. Mm -hmm. And those Joseph Campbellian myth shit. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a a review on Letterboxd from film writer Matt Lynch, 
I don't always agree with him, but I think a lot of his writings are interesting, and I like this one a lot, so I just want to read from it really quickly. Okay. The Wachowskis steadfastly refused to make stale, violent power fantasies for teenage boys, which, sim- which seems to piss everyone off. Here you have a young woman who becomes a heroine not because she picks up a gun or is, quote, as tough as a man, end quote, whatever that means, but because she chooses not to have her future determined by class or capital, even if it is space class and space capital, or really anyone else but herself, wrapped up in an unapologetically dorky homage to trashy sci-fi paperback covers. It's a dressed-up fairy tale, an intergalactic Cinderella, except she doesn't win by becoming someone's wife, and if she's ever the damsel in distress, it's because she decides not to kill or act selfishly. Plus, it has Channing Tatum on rocket skates fighting a lizard man. Not mm. even a hair sillier than Guardians of the Galaxy or eight installments of Harry Potter bullshit. Now, it gets a little harsh at the end there. Uh, I think you might appreciate the, the final Harry Potter quote. Yeah. I, uh, I do agree. It's not much sillier than other stuff people like engage with on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's point. just it's it doesn't have the fucking winking that I despise. Yeah. In in modern blockbuster. And like Guardians, you know, it, it's a it's an appropriate comparison. I do like the Guardians. We're both Guardians defenders. Mm-hmm. But it is one of the things where like every movie is trying to be Guardians now. Yeah. And yeah. it 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 sucks and I don't like that vibe and I don't like the uh undercutting everything with a joke type thing but that's how you make i guess a billion dollars it's depressing but i guess that's how it is yeah um and you gotta give the chassis credit for just sticking to their guns uh but you know uh, who was that it was from matt lynch you said matt lynch yeah well he just said everything i was probably gonna say okay. so um i guess i guess we're done here thanks for <laughs> tuning into the only 10 minute episode of the waffle press <laughs> Um, uh, no, th- this is an incredibly gorgeous looking movie, though. Like sometimes really, I'll just yeah. look up like the film grab. I don't know if anyone goes to film. No, grab. he hit it right on the head. I'm not to, like I was gonna make the point. It's like yeah, it's like paperback science fiction covers. Yeah, like yeah. it's especially like 70s and 80s pulp era. Like just it's and it also feels a little bit like there's a conscious decision to be like try to find imagery that wasn't tainted by Star Wars. You know. And not in a yeah. bad way. I'm not like I'm not dissing Star Wars, but there there's trying to be like we want this to not be Star Wars, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Once Star Wars comes out, every science fiction fantasy movie thinks it has to be Star Wars, and it doesn't. And I think there was a, a conscious decision to try and roll the clock back a little bit. Yeah, here's something uh-huh. that I wrote down too. Like when Star Wars shows like the characters in like space cities or space ships, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's there's still a design point to make it feel like okay people could like actively use this like human beings you could see them design this in a fantasy setting right like it's designed for human beings to occupy that space whereas with jupiter ascending and this is not a criticism it's actually a major positive it's like you see these ships and it's just like what the fuck am i looking at but in like a good exciting way because you don't see designs like this and it's like the ships that start out on their side they're like their wings open up and it's like reveals like it's actually forming into like its full shape of a ship. Then there's like these huge capital cities and environments and they're all like so distinctly like color coded and like they're not drawing from the same inspirational elements that define uh, the old rundown Star Wars aesthetic or even the Star Wars prequels, which is what I think a lot of people 
uh, refer to this as like the, the Wachowski's Phantom Menace, and I, I don't agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that as someone that likes both those movies. I well, there is a there is something there's a spiritual connection. I think a little bit. I think I do think. Lucas was trying to bring Star Wars like back a little bit to the traditions because it's supposed to be like the peak of the Republic in Phantom Menace. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So Star Wars, it's a, it's that classic thing of like Star Wars, the original takes place after the big battle has already been fought. You know, mm-hmm. like it's actually the follow-up, which is like same with Lord of the Rings, where like the actual big conflict of Lord of the Rings has already taken place by the time of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. And we're just living in the ruins of it. Yeah, which is something which think, that Guillermo del Toro also took inspiration from with Pacific Rim. And yeah. clearly had his own Star Wars planned up. Oh, yeah. So, been... I've been really upset about that lately. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I just like, had to bring that up. It was one of those where, like... I th- didn't it come out against, like, Grown Ups 2 and Grown Ups 2 beat it at the box office? Yeah, in America it didn't do great, and then the foreign market was... saved it. Because they could do that yeah. back then. And then for some reason they were like... You know who was the problem <laughs> on that first one? No, no, he had to choose between that and Shape of Water, and he was like, well, Shape of Water's not going to get made without me, so I'll do that. Yeah, but, like, look, I get it. you got to meet projections, you got to meet stuff like that, but, like, he is the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, you can't just hand it over to someone. So, it's it was insane to think they could just go, like, all right, well, we're plowing ahead, Guillermo. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, they, they could have fucking waited for him. Or... I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's a it's a shame. Yeah. Maybe it'll be one of those where like if Guillermo's still making movies like twenty years from now, where it's like he just makes his own Pacific Rim too. As like a like cause people get nostalgic for Pacific Rim. Hey, it could happen. He's gunning really hard for like the tenth anniversary screenings and like an IMAX. Yeah, he's been talking about it a lot. Yeah, he, I remember uh, him talking about that like pre pandemic even. So I'm like, he's he wants that. Like that's a real thing he wants. So Someone needs to make that fucking happen, or I'm gonna I'm gonna start yelling at everyone like I'm Eddie Redmayne in this movie. That was one of those where like see that in IMAX. Like that was one of those movies where it was a hundred percent built to be seen in IMAX, mm-hmm. and I, I like saw a good theater out, and it was like a hundred percent worth it. Now, did you uh, see Jupiter Ascending in IMAX? You know what? I didn't. I didn't either. Um, I let people. It was that era, like it's 2013, which is almost a decade. Uh, no, wait, this is uh, 2015. Right? 15, yeah. I always get this mixed up with fucking John Carter. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, you know, this movie's it's about seven years old at this point, And, like, seven years ago, I definitely wasn't as strong as, like, not letting other people get to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And the buzz on this was just so bad when it came out. And up until this point, I'm, like, seeing every Wachowski film. I, like, you know, this is their follow-up to Cloud Atlas, which is one of my favorite movies. And... I should have been there, like, day one for this. And for some reason, I let people talk me out of it. Like, and also the other thing about it was that it was one of those first movies to get tainted with talks of reshoots. There was a lot of talk that, like, chunks of the movie had been reshot. Which I think ended up not being as big a deal as it was, but I don't remember. Hmm. Um, I think what I ended up finding, I could find a ton... But it said that there was reshoots to, quote, clarify, clarify plot points. Um, but I don't know. Uh, if that's what they were trying to do, they, they failed miserably in that regard. But um, 
uh, yeah, I let people talk me out of seeing it. And then I saw it when it was on, you know, I think I saw it on cable, and I was like, that was a pretty good. Like, I wasn't, like, blown away by it, but I was like, I liked it. And it's just, it's, it sticks around with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was actually really fun, and I, I, I'm sad it didn't do better. And, like, at the very least, like, if you don't like it, like, just look at it. <laughs> like, honestly, just yeah. look at it and listen to it, because there's plenty of, like, interesting science fiction shit in here. Or science fantasy, well, I guess, if you're, like, a stickler for that. If we talk about how people are bad at, like, reading film just in general these days, I think they're doubly bad at reading special effects in movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have any language developed to talk about special effects competently. I, I don't think so either. And it's, like, the Corridor Crew guys. And, like, even them, they're more just like, here's why this shot looks real, and here's why this shot looks fake. Yeah, and it's like, maybe Which, that's, like, a good starting point, but yeah. there's no, like, next point yet. <laughs> Someone mm. needs to, like, occupy that space, please. You know who brought up good points on the fucking Corridor Crew thing? I actually um, don't they know. Had, they had Seth Rogen on. Oh, he's, like, a and, talented dude. Yeah, and he was talking about uh, the head explosions they did for, like, Preacher and shit. And they're like, how do you do, uh, how do you do these, like, head explosions? And he's like, you need way more blood than you would think. And he'd be like, I'd get in arguments with the special effects guys where we kept telling them more blood. And they'd be like, at this point, you're using more blood than is in the human body to make this head explode. And he's like, that is entirely irrelevant to the conversation. <laughs> like, we want the head to explode. And I'm like, yeah, that's that should be the takeaway. <laughs> like, whatever looks good, you know? It doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah, um, David F. Sandberg, who's, like, really good at, like, communicating with fans and, like, explaining his own filmmaking process, right? Uh, he did a video about his his work on the Annabelle origin movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was explaining, like, he had, to, he had to also, like, explain that he wanted, like, bigger practical effects so it'll help the special effects look better. So, like, when a light bulb explodes... He's like, no, 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 it can't just be the light bulb and we pop it. It has to be, like, huge. So he would describe, like, Michael Bay explosions because in camera it's going to look smaller. Mm-hmm. And then that would help the effects make it look bigger, too, so they could, like, touch it up in post, you know? But it's not all done in post. It's something that's there so artists can help the artist later, too. And it's like, he seems like a very knowledgeable guy. I, I hope he's yeah. not an asshole. He seems like a... Even when I don't like his movies, I kind of like that he's making movies. Yeah, yeah. Which is more than I can say about a lot of filmmakers. You know, like I wasn't blown away by Shazam. I liked, I liked more what it was going for more than what it was. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm like, I'm more excited for the Shazam sequel than a lot of other movies right now. Yeah, I'm more excited about that than the Flash. Yeah, well, everyone is at this point. Yeah. All right, look. Let's talk about the Flash for a second. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go back to Jupiter Ascending because I think there's still plenty to like talk about, and I have I have no, like no, a list a of lot. creatures there's I want to bring up. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, but like the Flash right now has basically been like fucking kneecapped by Ezra Miller being a fucking psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so when what's his fuck got canceled right before all the money in the world came out, right? Yeah. And they brought in... They just basically digitally replaced him with Christopher Plummer, right? Well, they, they also shot him, like, in full scenes and wardrobe. It wasn't like... Yeah. Yeah. They never stitched him in the same room with someone else, you know? Yeah. But, like, I get it. Like, it would take a lot of work. But, like, it's it's doable is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. 
Especially, I would think it would be a little easier to do if your character is primarily in a costume for a lot of the big scenes. Yeah. Right? Uh, what is stopping them from just going, hey, we had a very popular Flash TV show. Let's just get the guy who was on that and make him the lead of this movie. Like, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Just get him. Like, I I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about like continuity wise or anything like that. Like I don't care about any of any of that at all. <laughs> like mm. I don't care if it ties into the Snyderverse or whatever. Like I understand this is their like they're gonna do Flash of Two Worlds and shit like that. Like and they're bringing in all the Batman for some reason. But just you know, just bring in the other guy. It I don't think and no one would care. Yeah. No one is going to the Flash to see Ezra Miller. <laughs> They're going to see the Flash, and you already have an established Flash, and Batman, and then another yeah, and Batman, ba- and yeah, then Supergirl. And like, yeah, like six Batman, whatever. Yeah. Oh, there's a new Batgirl. Oh, Supergirl. Supergirl oh, she's excuse me. from the sh- from the show. No, no, no. It's a it's a new actress. The fuck is this movie? Uh, I don't. I, I think they're using it as an excuse to like reboot their universe. Which no yeah, one gives bad, a shit about now. Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah, it was, it was playing... a bad idea at the start, and it's just gotten worse. But I will say, the new actress, and I mean, the director, I'm not a fan of. But I yeah. saw his video where he was on the Zoom call to tell the actress, her name's uh, Sasha Kaya, and where she was told she got the job. And he gave us a brown Supergirl, and she was crying tears of joy, and it was very moving. No, so I wish nothing of the best for her. Same. And I would love... I am. I, I should be over the moon that fucking Michael Keaton is back. Yeah. And like, I, I don't care. I like Michael Keaton Batman. I don't care. I, I, I've always wanted like Michael Keaton to just show up one more time. Even if it was like a like... Just like he walks on screen for like one second. He's like, I'm Batman. And then he awkwardly turns away because he's wearing that goofy Batman costume. Yeah, which I believe he still leaves. is. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Um, but like, yeah... Just, who cares? DC is like, I don't think the fucking dumb people at Warner Bros. don't understand what they have that, like, no one cares about their shared universe now, but they've th- they've gotten to a position where you can start having characters cross over, but you don't have to care about continuity in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can just do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Which is much better than being tied to the MCU bullshit. And instead they're like, ah, we gotta try again, I guess. Which no one wants. Oh, Billy Crudup's not playing his dad? Uh, I believe he was supposed to, and then he, he was booked on something else. And okay. I bet now he's going to be available if they need to reshoot stuff. Mm-hmm. And I bet they won't recast him. Yeah, who who, well, who knows? Just, just, just get the guy from the show. Like, who cares? Well, you know whose dad is in the show, right? Who's the dad on the show? The original Flash from the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I've, like, watched chunks of those shows and enjoyed them, but, like, I just never, like, stuck with them. Uh, they all fall off at a certain point, except for, like, Legends of Tomorrow, which got fucking canceled after they finally introduced Booster Gold to try to of get him. Of course. Oh, fucking course, Booster Gold shows up at the wrong time. Yeah, no, it was perfect. The fucking guy with the robot that has all the information about what's gonna happen in the future. No, no they, they, <laughs> they fought, like, seven years to get him on the show, and then they cast Donald Faison Turk from Scrubs. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's like perfect. And yeah. then the show's canceled. That's odd. But there, there's some kind of poetic about Lucy <laughs> Gold showing up at the wrong time. Yeah, like, but here, I, I wanted to say, 
Uh, I have a soft spot for a lot of those shows. They sometimes work, sometimes don't. The first season of The Flash is really fucking terrific. Like, uh-huh. I stand by that. That is a, a expertly yeah, watched... written season of television. Everyone should I... watch that one. I think I watched the first season of all of those shows and, like, enjoyed them, except Arrow. I never watched Arrow at all. I don't think you would like it. I, I don't. I wouldn't it... say it holds up, but I got a soft Arrow... spot for sure. Arrow felt like the one that was trying to be the most, like, you don't understand. This shit's hardcore. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I'm just never, that's just never my vibe, you know? Yeah. And also I want Green Arrow to be like a socialist maniac. Yeah. They never but, got that. Aspect. Yeah. I assume they wouldn't go to that. Yeah. Uh, but like I saw the other ones cause it's like, Oh, these look fun. I'm not trying to, I don't want to be like that guy who's like, these things should be fun and stuff like that. But you know, it's, they're for kids. Like I just, whatever. Yeah. And they're they're fine. Which is maybe what? I, you know what? Oh, here, go ahead. You need to send me like a list of like the must watch episodes of all those shows. Oh, totally, totally. And then I'll just, I think you'll like I'll just, Supergirl too. Supergirl has I a like, really strong first season, and then a I really, really like couple more. I watched the first season of Supergirl. Really liked it. Yeah. Um, I just like it was one of those where like I just didn't stick with it, mm-hmm. and maybe that's on me. And also, uh, as some idiot who's always like. I wish they'd go back to doing, like, the 24-episode seasons. I think both those shows did have long first seasons, and I was, like, burned out by the end of them. So yeah, like, yeah. maybe maybe I'm I'm in the wrong. Um, all right, sorry for that. Uh, no, whatever. Divergent. We're, we, um, we're, we're coming to terms with the fact that we do like superhero shit. So it's... Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with liking it. It's just I don't like the companies that make them. Yeah. And... You know, it'd be cool if the people actually did stuff with these characters. Yeah. And, like, in a perfect world, the Wachowskis, in between their, like, incredible passion projects, would, like, they would do something with hmm. any of these. You know, I, I think they, yeah. they have a perspective on enough, like, interesting shit that I kind of trust them with whatever character they would want, if they'd ever wanted to do that, which I don't yeah. think they do, and that's totally fine. Yeah, I, I agree. Although, it feels like there may, we maybe could have gotten a better world where it's like, Luchasio, like, here's our next idea we want to do. And as soon as like, you can do that, but we want you to rewrite this script real quick. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's so many stuff where, like, I would at least like to see them take a pass at it and just see what they come up with, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Whatever. Fuck Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck them, because uh, this bombed. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. All right, so, like, I have a... So, I was talking about the reshoots thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie feels... The, the setup of this movie feels so obvious, where you have Mila Kunis, who, you know, is, like, this destined, like, princess, basically, right? Like, a spa- like whatever. Mm-hmm. She's But she's our, like, every person. And should be, like, this really obvious, like, okay, start the story, follow her. Have everything be from her perspective right right and that could be your introduction to the world and instead it's like we get front-loaded with we get Mila Kunis and then we're suddenly in space and then we're suddenly here and then there's also fucking Shannon Tatum running around and it feels like such a weird pile-up of a beginning you know Mm -hmm. it feels like Shannon Tatum should show up for the first time when she's in the doctor's office and they're about to kill her right yeah like, maybe there's, like, hints of him, like, following her around or something, and we don't know what's going on. But it feels like that's when we should finally get, like, oh, you're a princess, aliens are real, they cover up all their existence whenever they interact with the planet, right? Right. That feels like such a natural thing. And instead, there's this weird, like, doubly over-explaining things in the beginning, 
which feels like an attempt to explain things better, but it just makes things harder to understand. Yeah, I wonder if it was like, again, if that was like a reshoots thing. That's, yeah. What, that's, um, what, like maybe they wanted more perspectives from like the characters so it's not just Jupiter's story, even though like it <clears> is. Uh, which is which is a good thing in my opinion that it, it would just be her story but maybe they wanted to make it more like of an ensemble piece at some point like I really don't know I have two takes of what it could be one I also just remember with uh, we talked about Eternals Eternals is a movie where you can feel that Marvel got nervous at a certain point right yeah and there's like an opening text crawl in the beginning that tries to explain who the fuck the Eternals Celestials and Deviants are right right and that text crawl we talked about, it makes things more complicated. Mm-hmm. It makes it harder for the audience to get into. It's much. It's one of these things where, this is where it's a video game kind of idea, but like people get into a video game better if you just let them play it, right? Yeah. It's harder for them to get into it if you're constantly stopping it to explain, oh, press the X to jump. Like, yeah, if, if I could say a comparison really quickly, I know plenty of people that struggle, struggle with Mass Effect, mm-hmm. right? I love the first Mass Effect. Yes. It's not a game you just jump into. You kind of got to devote chunks of time to that one. Mass mm. Effect 2, everyone's like, oh, okay, that's the good one. It's like, here's your status quo. Boom, Here's you just got blown up. Here's the antagonist yeah. of the game. Here's your mission. This is what the whole game's going to revolve around. Go. Yeah. It's like, okay, everyone likes that one from the get-go. People exactly. warm up to the first Mass Effect. No, the best, like, video games with, like, a great first level are, like, really insightful for both videos, but also for storytelling. Like... It's a way of just, like, let the audience or the player, you know, let them figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like this would have been better if we just if we just stuck with Jupiter Jones from her perspective and she's our entryway into all this weird stuff, right? Right. It feels like the studio might have come in and been like, you have to explain this. You guys have been making movies that no one understands <laughs> and we're, we're, you're doubling down on that. Because it, 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 it just reeks of that a little bit, of a nervousness that the audience won't understand what's going on. And in an attempt to over-explain it, it makes it more complicated. Yeah. That's my what other take fucking comes down to. Sorry, sorry, I just wanted to say yeah. that. No, no, no. Uh, my other take is that maybe the Wachowskis were like, The Matrix was an unconventional story told in a really conventional way. <laughs> Maybe we want to do a really conventional story told in an unconventional way. And this was an artistic decision. Maybe. Maybe. I still don't... I'm still not a big fan of it. Yeah, I just got questions. Yeah, I still have the questions about it. Here's something I think... This could be wild. I honestly think the the doctor scene is like 20 minutes into the movie. Right? Mm -hmm. I think... You could start the movie there, and everything would make equal amount of sense. I don't know about that. I think you I could think compress everything before that, though. I'm not. No, I'm just. I'm not saying like if I were gonna rewrite the story, I would start there. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Let's say you're flipping through cable one day, and you go, "Oh, there's a Mila Kunis movie. I love Mila Kunis. I don't know what this is," and you just happen to start it right at the doctor's office scene. I think A, you'd be able to get in the movie, and B, you would understand it a little better than if you would watch the beat, the first part. I don't know if I agree with that, but I approve of the take. I, again, I'm not saying that's how it should. I'm not. I don't. 
I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that's how it should start. I'm just saying I think it would be easier for an average audience to get into the movie. Okay. So uh, this isn't me going like, you know, where I, like, my whole thing where it's a cut, like, the first 20 minutes, you don't fucking need it. Like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that the first 20, 25 minutes of this movie are useless. I'm just saying that in terms of getting into it, it'd be better to start it almost there than at the beginning. Yeah. Because I think it, there's so much... There's so many different tones and vibes in the beginning that it can be a little bit of a hurl. And that's usually, like, that's the big issue I have with this. It's those first kind of 20 minutes are, like, a rough. And then after that, once the actual plot really kind of settles and kicks in, it's, like, a really simple plot, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, I don't know, I liked it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's fun once you figure out that it's, like, oh, it's, like, these, like, houses are basically fighting over, like, like she's this pawn and, like, these three different siblings trying to control an inheritance you know mm -hmm. that's like a space inheritance like that's fun and once you realize that's what the movie's like it about basically it's like oh okay i get that we all understand that basic setup we're not dealing with aliens but mm -hmm. we all get that and it, it it makes the movie a little smoother although there are plenty of aliens in this movie oh there are definitely a chan tatum plays a fucking space wolf man yeah <laughs> And that's just the ice, the tip of the iceberg. Which is honestly if, what the movie should have been called. Channing Tatum stars as a wolfman? Channing Tatum as Space Wolfman. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, there are some fucking great creatures here. My favorite of which is the lizard dragon henchmen. Oh yeah, those guys are fun. I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> there are those weird little aliens from the doctor's office. They pop up a couple more times, too. Uh, there's, like, an owl man who's kind of like a Grimma Wormtongue. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all, like, they're all, like, mixed with certain, like, what we would consider animals because they've genetically engineered everything. Yeah. Right? Like, because it's all this corporation and stuff like that. And the fucking, or the, the hero's journey in this is literally controlled by, like, a space monarch corporation thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's 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 all it's all good fun. Um, I don't think Channing Tatum had a lot of fun in this movie, though. It doesn't look like he's having fun. No, I don't. I don't know if he got the vibe. Maybe him and the Wachowskis didn't get along after uh, after a Reddit a or during a Reddit AMA. Someone asked him what was Jupiter ascending about, and he was like, "Man, I don't even know." Yes, honestly, I think that is. A big problem with this movie, um, probably the biggest for me, is that it, it feels like the two leads don't know what movie they're in. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, they have to understand every element of it, but they should at least have something to hold on to. It does remind they... me a little bit of, like, Valerian. Yeah, Where, Like, yeah. the leads aren't, like... I don't think they're as bad as people make them out to be in the same situation here, but definitely the weak point. And I like just... all four of these actors. Yeah, they just feel adrift, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think if they if they don't have the conviction the story needs, it really hurts kind of getting into it, you know? Yeah. Of, like, what... It, it really feels like both... Especially Tatum and Kunis just don't really know what they're doing there. And maybe the Wachowskis just weren't good at explaining it. I don't know what it's... Like, because some people seem to love working with the Wachowskis. Yeah. And others are like... 
I went insane trying to make this movie. Like, but yeah, I don't. It's weird. I don't know. Maybe they just couldn't communicate it. And Channing Tatum seems like Channing Tatum's a weird dude in terms of like his career. Like he's trying to pick that big blockbuster and he's never been able to. Yeah, you know? he was gunning for Gambit for like a decade, and he finally got it, and then the the franchise like died. Yeah, but was he gunning for it, or was like he just his age and just being like, do Gambit, do Gambit, do Gambit? He wrote the like, script and was vying to like direct it. Okay, with like but a was, but that that felt like at a certain point he's like a, it's like a sunk cost thing of just like I've been attached to Gambit for so long, you guys can't get your shit in order. I'm just gonna write it. Like, if you guys won't do it, I'll fucking do it. I like, kind of trying to take take a page out of the Ryan Reynolds thing with Deadpool, you know? Mm-hmm. Of Reynolds being like, I want to do Deadpool. Like, and the studio being like, I don't know, who's Deadpool? <laughs> and, and Ryan Reynolds just be like, fuck it, I'll take charge. Yeah, that's something I'll always respect about him. Like, yeah, I don't even, even if like I don't that like, stuff, but yeah. he's like, I'll just fucking do it. Get out of the way. <laughs> it's one of those, like, infuriating things where it's like, a Deadpool movie just was gonna make money, and like the studio was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, because like he he keeps trying, and he just hasn't had like he, now he almost disappeared for a short period. You know? Yeah, he took a backseat. He uh, he started learning like his craft more, like as a filmmaker. He just co-directed a movie called Dog. Oh, he co-directed that. Yeah, and wrote it. Or the uh, fuck at is least that movie? like took a pass at the screen. Like the idea is from him. I was watching that and be like, "Man, Channing Tatum must be grasping for work." And I had no idea that's like a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he was in. I forgot he was in Free Guy. Oh yeah. Look, Free look, look. I want to. I, I want to mention more Channing Tatum stuff, but I just got to say this: John Levy, not a fan of his of like his directorial work. He also did direct one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen this year. So I have to, like... I, I toned it down significantly. Is, uh... It, that's Stranger Things, it's, right? Yeah, it's, it's the one everyone was, like, all... I'm still not buying that Stranger Things is good it, again. It's... It, it was so good. I was, like, getting into arguments recently with people that were like, yeah, you know, it was a little long. And I'm like, no, it was event television. Like, I'm like, I'm so back into it. It's, like, embarrassing. I'm sorry. But Sean Levy has, he's like, I didn't realize until after Free Guy that he's kind of my cinematic nemesis. Sure, whatever. Yeah, I'm not going to defend him. I'm just saying. Cheaper by the Dozen was, like, the first, my first movie disappointment. And then that fucking Pink Panther movie. The what? That was Pink him? Panther. Yes. Whoa. Yeah, which is like a train wreck. And then remember... Alright, do you remember when Night at the Museum was coming out? Another Sean Levy movie. Yeah, he did all three, right? Do you remember... Yeah, he did all of them. But do you remember when that movie was coming out? People were like, what the fuck is this? Like, who thought this is a good idea? And the buzz around that movie was like, this thing is going to fucking bomb. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Not to the to that extent. I just remember people being like, not sure what it was. And then it was successful enough to get a trilogy. It was a surprise hit. It made 500-something million dollars. Yeah. And I was the one guy, when I saw previews for it, I'm like, that it seems like so my shit. Like, that's a fun idea. Everything comes alive in the museum at night. That seems fun. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like an early supporter of fucking Night at the Museum. And then I saw the movie and it sucked. 
but then it got embraced by the general public. So there's another strike against Sean Levy. Date Night, a movie I saw in theaters, have zero memory of. Oh, yeah, Sam, Sam. Uh, I like Real Steel. Real Steel, out of nowhere, makes a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, almost like... It's one thing if he just consistently sucks. But to drop a good movie in the middle of all this makes it worse. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I think if he's guiding the story, it doesn't really work. If he's, like, a gun for hire, like, he has on Stranger Things... I'm telling you, man, he... It was so good. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed this season. But where does the internship come from? Probably a dark place. Look, the internship was a movie where that trailer played before every goddamn movie that summer. And I was at a point where I was like, if I have to watch this fucking trailer one more time, where they make the fucking the bald guy in a wheelchair as Charles Xavier joke, I'm going to fucking end it all. Like, right here, in this theater. I'm just gonna set myself on fucking fire and bring all you fuckers with me. It's still in my head ringing around to this day, that fucking trailer. Well, that's what the free guy effect had on me for a little bit. I was like, um, this is bad. Remember, it was supposed to come out like 2020 or something like that. Mm. And you know what? I managed to avoid all marketing for free You're guy. so fucking lucky. I have no idea how I that was. See. That was pretty brutal. Like, I'm just saying I'm, I was taking off, like, the gas pedal on my, my Sean Levy. Just, like, as a filmmaker, I don't know him as a man. Uh, mm. Again, thank you gen- genuinely for the experience I had watching Stranger Things this year. It was so good. But, like, that trailer was so fucking obnoxious. Mm. Well, here's the thing. Look, I didn't see the trailer for Free Guy. Now, who owns Free Guy? What streaming service has it? Uh, it's either it's, Disney it's, Plus or Hulu. It, it's 20th Century Fox. I get the fucking trailer for Free Guy before, like, every video on YouTube now. So, like, after the movie came out, the marketing got me. Of just, like... And it's it's that one, it's not even a trailer. It's just a clip from the movie where the one woman's, like, quote, quoting along with all the NPCs in it, Right? Is Free Guy purgatory? Um, you know what? Everyone has, like, these hot takes on Free Guy. I will not give it that. I will not indulge in that at all. Okay. No, no, well, here's Free the, Guy. I, I'm, the, I should say the marketing. I saw Free Guy. I didn't hate it. I just don't care about it. And I thought it was kind of annoying. There's maybe an artist who's kind of undergoing um, a rise and fall on the internet at the moment. Who gives mm-hmm. basically a career worst performance in the film? And there's is a that lot. Ryan Reynolds? To... No, 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 it's about... not Ryan Reynolds. It was who are we talking Taika about? Oitiba. Oh, Taika. Taika is genuinely awful in that. Yeah, Taika. Uh, something happened. <laughs> but here's the thing, and I keep saying this every opportunity I get because I'm not a Taika hater. He's incredibly good in Our Flag Means Death. He plays Blackbeard. Yeah. And he's when an shows unbelievable up, performance in that. No, when Taika shows up to do his job, he does amazing. I'm like, I don't hate Taika Waititi, but, like, in the last few years, something's up. Like, he just doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah. And I guess flag, our flag means death, I guess, is the one thing he's doing good. Maybe that's just where his heart is. Yeah, I mean, he's only acting in it, and he directed the pilot. That's, like, all he's mm-hmm. done. And, like, he produces it, but he's not, like, part of the writing team or anything, so... But he seems he seems to talk about that more than anything else he's doing right now. It's probably satisfying in a way, like, that the other stuff isn't. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not Taika. I'm but not I, having I threesomes. I talked about that with the fucking new one where he was, like... Uh, He's the worst part of the Thor, new Thor movie. 
Like, I wouldn't just, know. Yeah, it, don't say it. It's bad. Um, yeah. Anyway, Free Sean guy. Levy couldn't have made Jupiter Ascending. And no, frankly, no. neither could Taika. Sorry. All right, so Sean Levy, how many movies has he made? So like I was going to try to pivot back to Jupiter Ascending. Well, I am, I am about to, but Sean Levy's made about two dozen movies. No fucking way. It looks, at least that's what it looks like looking at it. It's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Okay, 15. Still a lot. No, you saw the cheaper by the dozen, and then your brain went, okay, twice that. No, I'm looking at like the list of it, and it just looked like a longer list, but it's really because it's like, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, which is like, I look at that and I think it's two separate titles. Mm-hmm. So it looked longer. Um, he made, He's made two good movies. Uh, Real Steel and Big Fat Liar. Wait, what? That's directed... the one you like? Yeah, Big Fat Liar is hysterical. Okay. Mainly because Paul Giamatti is like play like a genuine maniac in that movie. But, uh, yeah, that's a good movie. Um, Wachowskis. They have made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven together. Um... Eight, just if it's just Lana, all of them are good, and it looks like it's over. This was actually the moment. This is the movie where, it, like, it felt like the Wachowskis like just surrendered. Like they immediately become people who jump to Netflix, right? Yeah, they're early on the Netflix train, and then when that stopped, they were like, "We're we might be done forever in Hollywood." Yeah, I, I mean, and I, then, I brought it before, but I remember. Uh... Robert Cargyle saying that he met with either Lana or Lily, and they were saying, like, it felt like they might have done everything they set out to do in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that was very disheartening to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see well, what no, happens it, moving forward now. Well, no, it, uh, that that's better than, like, they want to do stuff and they just know they can't get it made. Yeah, I mean, as long that, as it's on if, their terms. Yeah, if they're totally like, we're going to go off, we made, we have a great filmography, we're going to fucking go off into the sunset and, like, we'll do something else now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm totally fine with that. If if they're making a comic book, I'm fucking buying that comic book. If they're doing anything, I'm there, you know? Yeah. But, uh, it's just, it's sad that, it felt like there was a time where they were, like, gonna be the next big thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that they were gonna become, like, their own, like, Lucasfilm, maybe, like, with their own little empire that carves out a corner of the industry. And the industry just didn't let it happen. And... And neither did the fucking culture, basically. And maybe a lot of that is just, you know, they clearly went on a big journey of their own between the release of Matrix and Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. <laughs> but, so that maybe would uh, affect your creative drives and, and what you really want out of life. Um, but it's it's sad. And it was sad that, like, there was almost a gleefulness people took in their downfall, which just doesn't make sense to me at all. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying you have to like their movies, but they they make the type of movies where if you don't like them, you're like, yeah, but I want them to be good. You know? Mm -hmm. There is no, like, there's no, like, glee in the way people are taking glee in the Taika thing right now. You know? Yeah. Like, Taika is someone who's very talented who's, like, willingly turned into a gun for hire. You know? Which I think is what frustrates a lot of people. And... Some people are like, it's, it's, there's a glee people taking that sort of downfall. And the Wachowskis were never that. And so it's kind of a bummer. I think it's like the, the shift of the culture, because we are seeing a lot of people reclaiming the Matrix sequels and Cloud Atlas, Speed Racer, but even then, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was weird, though. People have reclaimed the Matrix sequels, and then those people are still like, ah, but Matrix 4 sucked. It'll get there. It'll get there. And I'm just like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. But here's the thing. I don't understand. It's one thing to be like, I didn't like the Matrix sequels when they came out, but like now that I rewatch them, I get it. I, I get what they were going for, right? Mm-hmm. And then to be like, yeah, but Matrix 4 is too far. <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is that? How do, you, how do you get the sequels and then not 4? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I get if your complaint is, like, the action isn't, like, up to par with the original trilogy. That I can completely understand. Mm -hmm. Everything else, I don't know. You're on your own. Yeah. And it's weird where when, like, when you watch the action in this, the action in this is really solid. Yeah. And uh, it makes me think that, like, Matrix 4 must have been a victim of COVID. Like, in terms of the action shooting. Yeah, maybe. Like, because there's, there was that thing when I was reading about, like, what they shot before COVID kind of shut them down. And that's all the really good action because there are good bursts in Resurrections. Mm-hmm. And I think they just, whenever COVID fucked them, it just fucked maybe pushing the action a little further. Not that I think it would, I think because of where the resources they had, I don't think it would have been on par with the originals, but I think it would have been better. But COVID kind of fucked it all up. Mm-hmm. It might have been more this speed. Yeah, I, I do think good. the action in this is really strong. Uh, I've heard a lot of criticism about it going on a little long, and to me, I'm just like, I don't know. I've never seen, like, action look that good with, like, science fiction elements in, like, Chicago. Like, the thing that jumps to mind is, like, okay, Transformers 3, that's the big Chicago battle. Uh It looks terrific. I think this is significantly, like, more exciting. This is is better. I do think, again, where I think the beginning of this is a little kind of messy, there's the introduction to Channing Tatum's character where he gets in a fight with those bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I, I almost wish that the first action scene had been the big chase through Chicago. You know? Yeah. That everything had been low scale. And then we do this big action scene. And again, that feels like a note of the studio being like, you gotta have an action scene at least ten minutes into this fucking movie. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it, it... it lessens the impact... And then when it's like you have those two action scenes close together, it kind of lessens both of them, you know? Yeah. Uh, we talked about this, I think, uh, with Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas, or maybe not Cloud Atlas, but definitely Matrix Resurrections, but, like, the digital look is, like, mm-hmm. fantastic for this stuff. Like, a lot of people always say, like, oh, well, if you shoot on digital, you can't do X, Y, Z. Uh, that's, that's not true. The, the colors in this movie are, like, terrific, and I believe it was completely shot digitally. Uh, John Toll was a cinematographer. He's worked with, like, a lot of people on Sensei, Breaking Bad. Uh, he shot Iron Man 3, which isn't, like, a bad-looking movie. I think it's a solid-looking movie. Um, yeah. Not as good-looking as this one, but, you know, what are you going to do? And It uh, is one of the... It's one of the few Marvel movies where you can actually say it has a look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, what I really like about him as a cinematographer, and I don't know that much about him, I just know he shot stuff I liked. Um, in Iron Man 3, there's, like, a really sharp, like, blue look to some of the night sequences and some of the, like, the backgrounds. And here, too, it's, like, there's this gorgeous, like, I mean, the, the, the Chicago chase is, like, this gorgeous blue hour sequence. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, to get those blues, like, just, just that right without having it, like, overwhelm, like, mid-tones. Like, there's a nice separation of the colors, so you can tell, like, distance and stuff like that. And, I don't know, it's just so impressive to me. I, I don't understand how someone could, like, outright call this, like, one of the worst movies ever made or something like that. 
Was anyone doing that anymore? I don't even... Like, here's the thing. The buzz around it was bad, but I didn't... Like, people were just kind of like, eh, it sucks. I didn't get the, like, people hating it. I did. Because this was also, like, when I was peak MCU, like, fanboy. And even then, I, I checked my old tweets. I don't have, like, a lot about Jupiter sending on there, but I was I was going to bat for it. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I didn't remember doing that, so that's good to know. I was, I was on the right side of history from day one. But I remember a lot of people being like, no, this is awful. This is, this is like, this should kill their careers. I definitely remember that talk like you were, you were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, I remember more people no. just being kind of baffled by it. And then... I think it was. It's so funny to think about too. I remember people being annoyed that it was so clearly trying to set up a franchise, and it's in this sea that we now live in, where it's just franchises. Of like, maybe we should have directed that sort of frustration at other people at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey. Uh, also, I don't know. It's like. It's a pretty closed-off story, considering. Yeah, it does its job. It's just one of those where it's like, oh, you can clearly build on this. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, it is one of those movies where, again, like, I talked about the beginning being frustrated. By the end, you're like, I am all in on fucking Jupiter Ascending. Like, mm-hmm. I'm all in on, like, doing more with this fucking wacky shit. Like, <laughs> I, I want to see more of this. And then, you know, sadly, that didn't happen. No. But, you know... That's... But you know, hopefully, like, it inspires like some other like filmmakers and artists to like yeah build off their own stuff. You know, I mean... We're get, the people are definitely coming around right now where it's like they're they're like I'm doing the Matrix, like I'm doing the Wachowski thing. Yeah, everything like... everywhere all at once is is that right now. Yeah, that that does feel like that. Another movie that is like oddly divisive now. Yeah, I uh... I don't understand anyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone is is alien to me. Yeah, you know. I just, you know, well, I get, like, everything devolves now into, like, the fans of it are annoying. And it's like, I hate that talking point. Yeah. It's just, like, it has nothing to do with the fucking movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and, again, I I think I've made this point now, like, three times maybe in this retrospective. But, like, I didn't love everything, everywhere, all at once. But I'm glad that, like, watching it, I'm like, this is going to be someone's favorite movie. You know? Yeah. Like, someone's gonna love this. And, like, I like that a lot. Even if it's not 100% my thing, I'm glad it's someone else's. And I think we've lost that perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could actually see Jupiter Ascending being, like, a kid's favorite movie if they, like, oh, come 100%. across on HBO and they're like, yeah. whoa, you know? Yeah, in that way that, like, some people, like, you know, fell in love with the Dark Crystal initially. Yeah! Yeah! Right? Well, well, I, like I came Cri- to that one very late, but yes. Yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're both... That movie's older than both of us, I'm assuming. No, <laughs> so. but I only saw it, like, in 2019. But I'm saying that, like, when you when when it came out, someone probably saw that in theaters. And, like, that's a movie that's, like, you can say it's very uneven. You can say a lot about The Dark Crystal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, for someone, they're gonna be like, that is my Rosetta Stone. That is the movie that leads to everything else, right? Mm-hmm. And... That's what I'm sure someone out there. That's what Jupiter Ascending is, and that's all that really matters yeah. at the end of the day. This is someone's Excalibur, and it's not. And yeah, and and the other thing is that that's why the other reason these, the MCU is evil is that if you if the MCU is that for someone else, the only drive those movies instigate is the drive to consume. It's only about like it, you know, where 
if you get into I'm trying to think of like, like or just say Jupiter Ascending you're like I want more movies like Jupiter Ascending now there's not like a franchise you can go to but even if there was that's maybe like three movies in total mm-hmm. let's assume and then it's like okay well then what else is there and then it's like well there's the rest of what the Wachowskis did it's like well what else is there and it's like well here's what inspired the Wachowskis right where like let's say if Avengers is your formative movie you're like well, what do I do next mm-hmm. it's like well, you can watch this endless series of movies, or you can read these endless series of comics, and then buy these endless series of toys, games, and merchandise, and then you're only going to be engaging with that. And it's just an abyss of consumption. Much like the villains of this film. Exactly! Just endlessly <laughs> consuming. I mean, the Wachowskis are very left-wing artists, and they have yes, nothing and- shy about that. And this, for being their, like, goofy fairy tale movie, is the one where a character is trying to talk another character into selling her eggs for money. And then Mm. he goes, that's capitalism, babe. Shit rolls downhill, profits roll up. Which is an actual line in this fucking movie. (laughs) And it's like, yep. (laughs) So if you hate this movie, you are pro-capitalism, you swine. Yes. Uh, I gotta say, though, I, I loved that character. The shitty cousin. Yeah, yeah. That is just like, who is the guy? He was in Speed Racer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Christopher Kick Gurry. Yes. And he is... I love that he's like, I got big plans for this money. Like, it's so simple. Just sell your eggs. Like, <laughs> and then they cut to him. And he bought a new TV and, like, a PlayStation. Yeah. It's, like, such a shitty move, but it's, like, that's great. Uh, I kind of wanted more of that. Like, there's a silliness that I think the movie was maybe pushed away from doing, but when it does get silly, it's, like, amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. um, Like, see, like, actors like that, for that character, like, get the vibe. Get the Wachowski vibe, you know. Yeah, they can balance. We're gonna talk that about line. the the biggest uh, left leaning scene in this movie for me is the scene where this movie suddenly becomes about bureaucracy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like I think maybe the best part of the movie is just trying to go to those different offices to get shit figured out. Mm-hmm. And you know what sets this one apart from every other fucking movie that does this exact same stupid joke? Of just like, man, the DMV sucks. Like, which is what all those things boil down to. And what those, se- what other lesser, weaker versions of that sequence boil down to is usually, like, for some reason, like, man, I wish there weren't so many laws. Which is like a weird, like, libertarian thing. Yeah. And then also a hatred of, like, service workers. Because it's always the person at the DMV's fault yeah. that this stuff is in place. But the thing that sets this one apart is that they keep going back and forth and they can't get anything done. Then it turns out bribing a guy is what solves it. (laughs) Which is exactly the problem. (laughs) That's what those systems are in place for. They're they're a fucking racket to shake you down, goddammit. And that's that's 100% the issue I've run into just dealing with my medical bills. At a certain point, you're on the phone for seven days and then you're just like, who do I pay money to <laughs> to just solve this problem? And it's like, here's who you pay, and you better have that fucking money. Because <laughs> mm. there's no way out. Kafka. 
in your stupid trial. Um, although that scene does end with uh, a cameo that has aged very weird. Wait, who? Uh, Terry Gilliam shows up. Oh my god, you're right. As, uh, and he's good! It's a fun... He's dressed like Tom Waits if he was a space accountant. Uh, maybe uh, Photoshop Tom Waits into the scene. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. He's like got barely any lines and mostly just like giggles and like breathes to himself. Uh, which is very clear like homage to Brazil, you know. Uh, it's odd that like I think he's been kind of one of those like mask off transphobes in recent years. Oh, it's that bad. Okay, I knew um, he was like bad. Among other things. Yeah. You know, and it's just weird when I watch this now and, you know. Uh, that is that thing where it's like, if someone, is that, you know, I don't know, because, like, I think the Wachowskis are kind of, they, they have some reputation of being difficult to work with, you know? Uh, but whenever I hear people, like, talking shit that worked with them, I'm like, is it because they're confusing, or is it the other thing yeah. you didn't like about them? Yeah, it's like, say, say what you mean. So I know whether want... or not I can continue liking you yeah, as an I'm actor. Yeah, I'm going to want an answer, yeah. uh, Mr. Channing Tatum. Mm. Just, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for a little bit. Oh. Uh, I didn't think about that. You know, just, you know, and hey, who knows? It, it could, again, it could just be they're bad at communicating with actors, which is the reputation George Lucas had, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it could be the same thing. But, but uh, uh, hey, Jang Tatum's also doing Magic Mike 3 with Steven Soderbergh, so, you know. That means nothing. No. But... <laughs> it just means it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good movie. Sean Bean is in this movie. He is in this movie, and he doesn't he's die. Part, he's part honeybee. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the bee, everyone knows the meme. The bees uh, can sense royalty. Which is a thing in, like, mythology... Yeah, but people were like, oh, that's so weird and goofy. And it's yeah. like, yeah, who cares? I don't know. It's not a bad... Like, you can be goofy and be, like, good. You know? Star Wars is goofy. How is that the thing people got hung up on? I, I don't fucking know. You know? And I get, like, bees are confusing because bees, like, represent, like, a fucking billion things. Like, yeah. in art and culture. Like, But, like, the bees signifying royalty... We talk about queen bees. Like, this is a very... Like, I thought we were all on the same page here about that one, at least. <laughs> like, Yeah, who knows? That's not that weird. But, uh... Hey. Uh... Maybe... Maybe I... Maybe I overestimate the general public sometimes. I think this movie would do better... In a couple years. Yeah, it'll get... It'll get a, uh resurgence of some kind yeah like people will like it uh, people defend fucking anything so yeah you know that doesn't ultimately mean anything but i think i think people will figure it out yeah yeah uh, yeah we haven't talked about eddie redmayne no we haven't uh how do we right. how do we start this um all right this is his best did performance he, did well let's not get to that yet what i want to figure out did he, as the kids say today, understand the assignment? Or is this just a freak coincidence of just a bunch of 
bad choices coming together to make great choices. A freak coincidence directed and edited perfectly yes. for his performance. I truly, been... truly believe that. Wow. I don't actually have strong opinions on Eddie Redmayne. No, he just had some stupid uh, shit before, but he seems so Yeah, other than he, he might be a, a moral coward. Yeah. But, um... Because I, I think he did he did speak up about uh, Rowling's transphobia and then, like, back down fairly quickly and then kept doing those movies. And I feel like if you're the lead of a movie, you can threaten to walk off the movie if you have any principles. Yeah. Because um, you know who else but... spoke up on those movies? Yes. Yeah. And, Captain uh, Waterston. There. Oh, he does Jupiter Ascending and The Danish Girl in the same year. Oh, Joe Carnahan's least favorite film. Yeah. God, I hope they did not talk about that on the set of Jupiter Ascending. I also hope not. <laughs> God, that is a nightmare image. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have any strong opinions on Eddie Ray, mainly because uh, he doesn't pick good movies, so I don't see a lot of his work. Yeah, like, uh, I've... I always hear people are good in Aaron Sorkin movies, and then I watch them. I'm like, no, they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, I have not seen The Trial of Chicago 7 because I respect myself. Um, I Did I see The Aeronauts? I don't remember. People liked it, Probably but not. Like, not, like, they weren't over the moon for it. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking uh, he was like not like the worst performance I'd ever seen in Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. But that's like a really generic like biopic slop. But that's a movie that just, like, it's already been forgotten. Yeah. Oh, you know, he was in Black Death, um, which I saw. Oh, also with Sean Bean. He's good in that. Yeah. I like that movie. That's a wild little movie. I like that movie. I, that was one of yeah. the first movies that was, like, constantly on Netflix when it was, like, Yeah, digital. which is probably the way I saw it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That and, like, Bronson. <laughs> oh, Bronson, yeah. Bronson rocks. <laughs> um, so... What were the early Netflix movies? Because like that, Bronson, um, Delicatessen. Delicate- <laughs> oh yeah, Jean Pierre Jeunet, my boy. Yeah. Which I had like in my queue forever, and then never watched. Damn it! <laughs> I know, I know. Um, Don't watch his new one on Netflix. It's bad. I've yeah, I've heard it is not good. No, I, I my boy fell off. I think. But there was a lot of like Netflix movies that just hung around for a long fucking time. Um. Yeah, all I the know. doctor, I all the seasons of the Doctor Who reboot were on there for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, and people were fan casting Eddie Redmayne as the next Doctor just because that's what, a quirky British man is immediately who these nerds thought of for Doctor. If you're Who. British, you've been fan cast as Doctor Who. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> it's just any British person. They're like, it could be the next Doctor Who. Yeah. It's like, what about a woman? And then people are like, we're gonna burn the BBC down. God damn it. <laughs> If you even suggest that again. <laughs> um, but they did finally bite the bullet on that one. Um, but I didn't, you know, I haven't watched any Doctor Who in a while. I haven't. I've just... heard, like, the the castings have been better than anyone even expected. Like, they're perfect. And that mm. the writing has just, like, not been up yeah, to that performance. Which is such a bummer. Yeah. I mean, Peter Capaldi, like, I was, I think when I kind of stopped, and it should have been amazing and the writing just was not helping yeah. also peter capaldi is just like unbelievable like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a great actor that i feel like we're all sleeping on a little bit yeah and jody whitaker she... who was the, the most recent doctor yeah yeah 
Yeah, go watch Attack yeah, the Block, it? everyone. Not a failed blockbuster, but didn't make money, so. Oh, In the Loop was one of those early Netflix movies. Yeah. That was on there a lot. That's a fun movie. Maybe that got him the job on Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, and these, uh, the, the, the basically Brexit guy in the Paddington movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't trust that bear from Darkest Peru. <laughs> wonder what they're trying to say with that guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets nice at the end of the first one, and then he goes back to being mean. Yeah, because of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Where he's like, oh, wait, they're going to kill the bear? No, that's a little much. But yeah, then he goes back to being a racist. When confronted with the actual consequences of his beliefs, he can't follow through. But but then once the, once the actual tension's gone, he's back to being a piece of shit. Yeah. So. Paddington could have been in Jupiter Ascending. Paddington could be in fucking Paddington anything. Ascending. Paddington Ascending. <laughs> I feel like we're about to like. I think we've hit. We're, we've hit peak Paddington though. Yeah, right? I'm sure people are super annoyed. We're all and sick shit. of the Paddington jokes. Yeah. Like I, those movies are good, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Like, like sorry, I, I like them. They're oh, now is how I find out that the fucking. Paddington director is doing the fucking Wonka movie. Oh yeah, that's why he's not back did, for the third one. So the payday know. must have been amazing. I, but like now it's like there's like a two percent chance Wonka could be good, and I didn't need that percent. <laughs> I didn't need that. I was so ready to just be like, eh, it's gonna be terrible. I can just ignore it. But now I have to like actually think about fucking Wonka. <laughs> Yeah, but it stars Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that guy. Totally he, a He's the type. only skinny white boy that people know, so he's going to be cast in everything for a while. Yeah. Um, Looking forward to Dune Part 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully that'll be good. <laughs> There's a little bit of Dune vibes in Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, Which I bit. definitely didn't recognize until I saw it. Uh, the the <laughs> new Dune. And I finally understood the new Dune. There is no Baron Harkonnen, though, which is the problem. Eddie Redmayne gets close. He's kind of like, like the anti-Harkonnen. He's but he's not a too big like guy. he's he's too like pretty boy, you know. Like, well, that's why he's like he's the inverse of that. Yeah, but I I just I want more disgusting space slobs. I just want guys. I don't even have to be bad guys. I just <laughs> want like big guys who are just always eating. And just being like, I can't wait to blow something up. Like, oh, Christian Bale could have done that in a sequel to Jupiter Ascending. Because he, he that dude can up. gain weight and lose weight so fast and efficiently now. He should just play Dick Cheney in space. I, I really have, liked his, his Cheney. So. I still haven't seen Vice. Yeah, you know, I'm like the one guy who liked that movie. Yeah. So, um, And the further away from it we get, more people seem to dislike it more so all right well i mean i just like christian bale and i want to see him be a, a weird freak mm-hmm. he should he should be a weird space freak has he ever done that i've been a weird space freak yeah yeah like like has he even been like in science fiction that actually takes place like in space because it's um, like he was john connor in terminator salvation when does uh equilibrium take place oh i don't know who gives a shit <laughs> um, sorry, I know people like that movie. Uh, yeah, that's one of those like Ghost God movies, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Sorry, um, people like it. Yeah, I 
don't remember a goddamn thing about it. I don't think you'd like but, it. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen Ultraviolet, too, which is also directed by that person. Oh, I thought he, Christian Bale was in it. I was like, what the no. fuck? No, that would be wild to find out, yeah. though. But, uh... God, no, he hasn't done, like, hard science fiction. Well, now he, he just was the fucking guy... Hard science fucking... fiction, I said. Yeah, yeah. Well, hard science... Yeah, but this isn't hard science fiction. Okay, hard science fantasy. A real movie. He hasn't done a real science fiction fantasy movie. I, here's, here's the thing. I think the Marvel movies are like a genre onto their own. A genre called slop. <laughs> so, like, even though that's, like, technically a sci-fi fantasy film, it's not. Uh, I'll say he went for it with Gore the God Butcher. He was talking up some scene that he was, like, not, like, actively upset got cut, but he was, like, he said he wished it got in. It was, like, where he got, like, really scary with, like, the yells and stuff like that, and he was, like, really it proud of like it. It sounds like a lot of stuff got cut from that movie. I've heard more about cut scenes than the fucking stuff in the movie. Yeah. I don't know anything, but streets are saying that... Maybe uh, certain producers are not too happy with the result of this film, and I would be shocked if a certain future film from this filmmaker um, sees the light of day. What a loss to cinema. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh um, he was in Exodus, Gods and King. That's kind of a science fiction movie. Yeah, it takes place on this weird planet where a bunch of white people were in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Sigourney Weaver's in that fucking thing. I know. Might be the worst cast movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rough. Um, yeah, Christian Bale could do science fantasy, science fiction, whatever. Put him Christian in. Christian Bale could do anything because he's fucking Christian Bale. Yeah. Like, what like, can't What can't he do? I know. It really hit me recently. I was like, hey, he's like one of my favorite actors. Yeah. I want to see him in more shit because, like, what's he done this last? He could work with Wachowskis. He could totally mm-hmm. do it. But like this last decade. He did Ford v Ferrari. He hasn't been in a movie since 2019 with Ford v Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And then until his big Thor. comeback is fucking Thor. And I, I say, like, he, he showed up to do his job. He's in a different movie than everyone else. That's just kind of like the whole fucking problem with that movie. Mm. Well, okay. Ford v Ferrari, Vice, Mowgli, <laughs> the Mowgli movie. Oh, yeah, the iconic. darkest fucking goddamn children's film ever made. Yeah, Hostile. Andy Circus, you psychopath. <laughs> Uh, hostiles uh song oh no he wasn't song to song his <laughs> Andy Circus is doing animal farm yeah wow i know wow i know <laughs> i'm not sure if now is the right time to bring back animal farm but uh i want to see it <laughs> yeah i mean i guess <laughs> like all right he did wow. the big short a movie called the promise Oh, Knight of Cups. I love Knight of Cups. Yeah, Knight If you of don't Cups like Terrence Malick, great. don't watch it. But if you do, watch it. <laughs> Exodus, Gods, and King. Knight of Cups might be my favorite Terrence Malick. It's really hard for me to choose. Like, um, that dude's kind of just got bangers on bangers. Well, yeah, but, like, Terrence Malick is Terrence fucking Malick. But, like, I think Knight of Cups might be his best Someone described it as, like, A24's Entourage, and I just started busting up. That is kind of a good description of that movie. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think uh, The New World, or, or Tree of Life, I think those are, like, my go-tos. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Tree of Life, 
is just so big, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, like, it feels like, I don't know, maybe I'm being just a dick, just being like, that's the obvious one, you know? Hey, just because like, it's basic doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and then the New World, you know, I get what he was doing with that one. Um, it's, you know, it's <laughs> you still, the uh, Colin Farrell talking about it like it was on hot one oh yeah yeah that's that's a great interview yeah, <laughs> that's a great like, story you know, it was like really it was great but it was frustrating because like you know we're pouring our hearts out in these dialogue scenes and then you just hear from the corner terrence malick go is that a fucking osprey is and then he turns the camera away from the end he's like running through a field while there's lightning holding a fucking <laughs> camera god uh, what a legend Malik sounds like an interesting interesting fella yeah also isn't uh Night of Cups is the one that has, like, Dan Harmon in it, too. Like, yeah. In, like, the... Because, like, that, Terrence Malick is like, it's a comedy. <laughs> and you watch that movie, and you're like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, he uh, also just kind of makes up movies as he goes, which is, like, a talent in two of itself. No, it... Yeah, it's, like, a lot of other people are going to try to do that and fail. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, people try... It's like the Jim Jarmusch thing. Everyone thinks they're fucking Jim Jarmusch, and, like, they can't do it, you know? Yeah, or Wong Kar Wai. You know? Yeah. Everyone, I, everyone loves Chunking Express because it's the best fucking movie ever made, mm-hmm. but you can't do that. It's He didn't just, just wake up one morning, like, mm-hmm. when he was 18 and decide to do that. Like, he was making mm-hmm. shit by then, so he got his rhythms yeah. down. You can't, you can't be Bob Dylan, you know? Yeah. You can't be Bob Dylan, but you can be Bruce Springsteen. Are you not a not a fan of Springsteen? No, no, no. Everyone want everyone could be Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. This isn't even my take. Someone else made this take, but it's like everyone listens to the Bruce Springsteen music and goes like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and like you listen to it and you're like, "I could do that" in like a good way, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like you listen to Bob Dylan and like he's inspiring, but it's also like I'm like don't. Don't try to be Bob Dylan. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the big take. I mean, it, an artist can inspire, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you just got to, like, kind of start doing it. Like, if anyone's ever, try, like... You can try to be Bob Dylan, you can try to be Terrence Malick, but you're just never going to be. You know, yeah, you should, and, and it, then... At that point, you got to try to be yourself. Yeah, you, you, know? you figure yeah. that out as you, like, just jam. Like, have you ever, like, just jammed with, like... Uh, friends over like a drum kit or a guitar or something like that. Like you just fucking making shit up. You know, I don't. I don't. I played guitar. I don't know how to play guitar. You know, I was just trying to figure out some chords and I was just jamming with a friend. And it's like it. It, it was just fun. It doesn't matter how bad or good it sounds. It was just like a fun, creative experience to do stuff like that once in a while. You know. Although yeah. I do know how to play bass guitar, so maybe I can figure out real guitar. <laughs> I cannot play a single instrument. Oh okay. And I, I hate that about myself. No, it's... But, everyone fucking makes it seem so difficult. It's not. I know. I just... I, 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 I need a better work ethic for that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. You know? So, I'm too busy writing shit that is terrible. No, but, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Write, write all the terrible shit. Yeah. Because people are making terrible shit, too. So, you know. It's fine. So this movie has my favorite thing, which happens with all my writing. Which you're writing, you're writing, you're writing... And then at a certain point, a wolfman just shows up. There you go. Which is all. Which is what I believe all art should aspire to do. Yeah. Just throw in the fucking wolfman. I and do have a, a wolfman wolf idea. Man. Everyone has a wolfman idea. Yeah, but mine is like really good. 
But deep down, we're all wolf men, if you really think about Never it. Never mind. <laughs> this fucking Joe Rogan alpha bullshit. You ever tried DMT, man? <laughs> so fucking Joe, Joe Rogan, fucking the poster boy for the dangers of trying to expand a closed mind. I, I found out, I might cut this, but I found out a friend of mine, uh, their boyfriend, I've never... I've never had a good feeling about them, but I was I'm be respectful. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. just gonna you know go about my day, be, be nice and kind. Not here to stir waves. They break up. Later, I find out from another friend. Yeah, she would always complain about like him listening to Joe Rogan, but they agreed to disagree. But she was really unhappy about it all the time, and I'm like, I fucking knew it. Yeah, I knew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, jo- so I don't I don't trust anyone who listens to Joe Rogan. Regularly. Fellas, if you listen to Joe Rogan, you will not find love. <laughs> Can I tweet that? <laughs> yes, just quote me on it. Yes, <laughs> it's the truth. That's his whole thing. He keeps you alone, and then he's like, "It's their fault." That's it's a whole industry. He's not even doing it consciously, probably, but he's so alone and upset with himself that he just, it's like, it's the filter at which he sees the world now. So guys are alone and they think it's a good thing and they're deeply unhappy people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it's easy to close yourself off and try to do things by yourself and you'll try to figure stuff out. And you know, everyone needs time to themselves. Yeah, That's totally time. true. Yeah. But, you know... A community is a beautiful thing, and yeah, they'll make you better. You can make them better. A communal experience is is kind of what we're here for, you know. Yeah, I don't believe in like some higher power, well, also, some arch design to everything, but I, I do believe that. Also, we just it, a community keeps us all fucking alive. Yeah, like I'm, you know, I, I I hate the weird like strand of individualism in this country, of just like be self made, be blah 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 blah, and it's like. I just want people to go like, all right, go to the grocery store. Next time you go to the grocery store, like, if you don't have a list, write down everything you buy just on one trip to the grocery store and then look up everything it takes into making that product, shipping it to you and selling it to you at the grocery store. (laughs) It took a fucking army just to put food in your fridge. (laughs) Like... You're you we all that's the only way we can all live the lives we're living right now. And it's deeply exploitative. And we should recognize where those pieces are and maybe make it better. Because we we still need it. And we have to figure out how to make it work better so that we're all happy ultimately. We're all in a community. If everyone's if someone's telling you you're not, they're they're lying. Or they're taking advantage of that community. Yeah, I mean, there's that, too. Yeah. Uh, and I believe the Wachowskis feel very similarly to that, considering their this stuff. planet where they harvest entire... This movie where they harvest entire planet full of people? Yeah, yeah. Like that, themselves young? You think they might have something to say about that? Yeah, I just got a vibe. You're getting a vibe from <laughs> yeah. this movie? Or are you saying this film is political? You're always bringing leftist <laughs> bullshit in the movies, Diego. I just... I can't. Why can't movies just be movies? <laughs> Yeah, why'd they have to go make The Matrix woke? Yeah, when did that... What Did you see the person who directed The Matrix? I mean, of course the fourth one ended up that way. Yeah, that's my favorite fucking joke yeah, I ever. Know. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's, uh... Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. 
Yeah. Um, great world. Great world. Great, uh, great movie. I would say it's great. I would honestly yeah. say great. I stopped short of calling it great, but I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It is one of those where I feel like maybe if there was a trilogy, I would think about it more. You know? Mm-hmm. That, like, if this is a jumping off point to just the Wachowskis going space crazy. Although, there is a big problem with just, like, we. I think the big thing we didn't talk about is just the chemistry between Channing and Mila is just kind of not there. Yeah. And that's a big, like, that's a big problem, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. So, like, again, I want someone to, like, have this be their, like... Part of their well of inspiration. When well, here's something in the future. Uh, I want to talk about because we were talking about this a little off mic about like the lack of romanticism in the new Star Wars movies. Yes, right? that there's a, a real lack of that. And like, I was watching this movie, and I'm like, how do you end up in this place where the two leads don't have chemistry? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, how does this happen? And I, it, to me, it has to be a byproduct of just. Movies are so much of these, like, packages these days of just, like, we have the star. Like, here are our stars, and with these people, we can put them on the poster and we can sell it overseas, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, then you get locked into the Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis thing. Then, because I don't think, I don't think there is, in, like, inherently no way Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis would have zero chemistry. I'm sure you could make it work. But... There's also when you have when you pick your release date before you start filming, you're on a crunch, especially for pre-production. Yes. You know, and I feel like pre-production it was a good spot where you could do screen tests with these actors and workshop it a little, and then be like, okay, they don't work the way it's written on the page, but we can change it a little bit without losing what the characters are. You know. Mm-hmm. And make them fit together. And is that just something that now in this age where like pre-production is the thing that seems to get sacrificed the most? Is it just is that's what's killing? Like so, studios are just at this point where it's like we don't want to risk casting two people who are not going to be who are not going to work together if we try to say they should be in love. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was oddly a problem with Game of Thrones when they got to those last seasons where. They, they were so laser-focused on Jon Snow and Daenerys are going to end up together, right? And no one bothered to ask how that would work. <laughs> you know, they didn't even bother to figure that one out. And it, it feels so rushed that you're like, why? Like, you could totally get why they fell in love with the people they fell in love with throughout the story, but then why did they fall in love with each other? Yeah. You know? Uh... Yeah, I I don't I don't know. My conspiracy theory is that Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis were not the Wachowskis' first choices. No, I would, I would a hundred percent believe that's the case. I'm not, and I'm not even like a disrespect to those actors. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. that it's, it, it does feel like the studio is like, okay, Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, those are, they're on the poster. All right, good. All right, now make the movie. And if you're gonna do that to people, uh. You should like I'm saying there should be like a workshop period. They just don't do workshops for movies that much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, of like just everyone sit down and reads the screenplay, like because no one cares anymore. And it, like I feel like the movie really could have benefited from like get those two in a room, figure out their dynamic, find one. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there could be one, and then you have there's enough of the character on the page that is can stay solid and then can be more fluid, you know, mm-hmm. and just work with that. But they just, they probably just didn't have time. And then you just got to work with what 
you have. Yeah. But then also, are, are the Wachowskis at this point still doing, like, I know that at one point they were doing the Kubrickian, like, a thousand takes to break the actor type thing. Oh, uh, I don't know, maybe. So, like, maybe they thought they could get away with that with this movie. And I know, there, I know it was a fairly long shoot. Like, the shoot itself went for a while. And maybe they were like, we can workshop it on film which some people seem to be able to do but it usually ends up not working out and it might have affected uh putting those two together yeah uh well to go even further back in the production development did you know that this was technically like they were warner brothers president jeff robinoff at the time wanted the wachowskis to come up with a new franchise for them Mm. In 2009. That's that's a long time. And yeah. so while they were shooting Cloud Atlas, like that's when development kind of began a little bit. Mm. And they started, they started to go like in their inspirations. You know, they're bringing up like Odysseus and like uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, the Wizard of Oz and shit. Like they're, they're like trying to go places like in terms of like their inspirations. Um, which I think is very, like, obvious in, like, a good way. You know, they don't want this to just be another angle on Star Wars or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which does, you know, it does raise more questions about the lead dynamics is all. <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm bringing this up. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's really not that bad. I think it's, like, fine. Just, it's totally the low point of the movie for me. Yeah, and it's it's a problem when like that's the fulcrum of it, you know. Yeah, like it it, it makes it a challenge, especially Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis just looks at C for a lot of it, but also like her character's kind of supposed to be. So I don't think she's like giving the wrong performance, but it just doesn't flow correctly sometimes. Yeah, uh, I like Mila Kunis. I mean, everyone in this has done good work except maybe Eddie Redmayne. Mm. No, this <laughs> is his good work. Yeah. We found the one Eddie Redmayne movie and I already forgot it, but... No, it's this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like, Mila but... Kunis, like, a talent. I'm a fan. What has she been good in recently? Oh, The Spy um, Who Dumped Me, actually. Spy Who Dumped Me is tons of fun. Never saw it. You would like it. Never saw it. Um, she's in a relationship with... She's with Kutcher now, right? Yeah, they've been together for, like, Two decades. What are you talking about, <laughs> Mister Mister Ultra Capitalist guy? Oh, what? Well, he's like a big uh, head. He's a big hedge fund guy. Like he's all, he's a, he's like a early investor in Uber and shit like that. Oh, like, okay. I knew he had like the weird like uh, sex work, anti sex work stance and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he has that, which is the weird. Yeah, like it, it, uh, ostensibly, you know, it's probably coming from a good place of trying to stop human trafficking. Mm-hmm. But of course, the people that are leading that charge right now are mostly just anti-sex worker. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, but he's also, but he's just like he's a big venture capitalist guy. Mm. Like, air didn't air know that shit like that. Like he's kind of responsible for the the startup hellscape we live in. Oh, um, no. And not in a, like, I don't think he's, like, really... I think he's just one of those guys where, like, he just invested well. And he really... he You know when, like, you describe Uber in only good terms? Mm-hmm. And you're like, can you imagine you just hit an app on your phone and the car comes? And you're like, yeah, that does sound like a good idea. <laughs> I think that's as far as he goes with it, and he just doesn't think about the implications. You know, that's my charitable reading of 
Ashton Kutcher. For all I know, he's a really weird calculating guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And if maybe you're in a relationship with a guy, you know, like that, uh, a little bit, it might be harder to explain uh, your deeply leftist story <laughs> to someone. Um, that's got to be hard if you're like, if you are a very political filmmaker, but then you have to work with, you know, actors. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely don't have the Hitchcock or Kubrick method of working with actors. Well, Kubrick has also been very helpful to some actors, and other times, as we all know, not helpful at all. Yeah. Um, but, like, Hitchcock was notorious for, like, oh, they're just our puppets and shit. And it's like, no, that's that's not it either. I hmm. will say, like, whenever I hear actors talking about, like, directions of franchises and stuff like that, I'm like, well, you, you don't know that much. <laughs> Unless you're, like, an executive producer or co-writer or something like that. Like Channing Tatum, for some reason. Uh, who's a, very good at it. I like his stuff so far, but... Well, it's why it's why being an actor is honestly kind of thankless in some ways. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Because yeah. like, they, they put a lot on the line where a lot of times actors kind of just have to give themselves over to directors, you know? Mm -hmm. Even method-driven actors who are, like, very conscious about their image, they still, on some level, have to give up some level of control. And then it's their face on the fucking thing. If it doesn't work. Yeah, and you, you have know? to put, like, your entire soul into a performance, basically. Like, you cannot yeah. and get away with it. Some people can get away with it. Most people mm -hmm. can't. Most people you know, oh, they're faking. They're they're playing make-believe. Yeah. Versus, like, I don't know, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> How does a great character actor do it, though? Uh, I don't know. Think what about is, Robert Forster. What is Steven Root? getting in touch with when he gives some of the best performances of all time. Oh, I have no fucking when idea. When but... he's on screen for 30 seconds. Yeah, I got him. Pan shot. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Yeah. I want a whole movie about that guy. I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have no fucking idea. Uh, I don't know. I'm not an actor. Actor like, friend. What is, uh, comment what, below. <laughs> yeah, what is he tapping into? Because that's what I respond to. I just I want to I want movies just stacked with Steven Roots. It's like uh, fucking the end of Matrix Revolutions, walking through the rain, but it's nothing but Steven Roots instead yes. of Agent Smith. A hundred percent. But it's all the different Steven Roots from like his whole career. <laughs> so it's like Pan Shot guy. It's the fucking blind dude from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, it's it's the the, the it's, homeless it's... guy from Cora. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, the fucking, uh, it's Milton from fucking Office Space. It's like all of them. Yeah, but the, the point being, actors <laughs> don't know that much about the whole filmmaking process unless they, yeah. they want to learn, right? Or they've gone through that process a lot of times, whatever. But they also do still deserve respect and care like any other human being. It's just important to note there is like a division just like a natural one, not not a. Yeah. There shouldn't be a critical one or a harsh one like the Hitchcock way. It should be more welcoming. Mm. Like Spielberg is very notorious for working very well with a lot of actors. You know. Yeah. Like that's that's well, probably just, you know, the way you go. With actors, directors, it's like there's a there's a probably a really good reason why certain people are in front of the camera <laughs> and certain people are behind the camera. Yeah. So you know, it's just how just how it be sometimes. Uh. Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. Let me see if I talked about everything. I made some notes. Um, we, uh... Yeah, you know, uh... I think we, uh... We talked about everything. We kinda... 
Yeah, um, it's it's a movie strokes. I just look up to watch like visually sometime and just have on the background. Yeah, it's uh, it's not like Speed Racer where like my entire body, mind, and soul are given over to the film and I'm like crying by the end. <laughs> but it's uh, it's a good time and I'd recommend it, frankly, like just to normal people, just because I think it got a really bad rep like on initial release. Okay, let's talk about Jupiter for a second, though. The planet or the character? Yes. Okay. Um, so I don't know fucking jack shit about astrology. I don't either. And I know a lot of people try, like it, though. When you try to look it up, there's a lot of contradictory information on the internet. Um, almost like you could just make up whatever the fuck you want to hear. <laughs> but, um, hey, whatever. Um, but the one thing I do know is that because of Jupiter's uh, slow rotation... Um, compared to Earth's rotation, uh, Jupiter, the planet, stays within a zodiac sign in the cosmos uh, for a year, basically. Hmm. So, like, you can be born... So when you say, like, Jupiter is in X, that can mean the year you were born, correct? Right. Um, so they said Jupiter is in Leo, is in the constellation Leo the Lion. Um, which I believe uh, this movie says is about like destiny and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I believe it's also about creativity. Um, what's that about? Well, she has to determine for herself, right? So it's about her own like creativity and determining her own destiny. But what? Uh, the right to choose in a world where people are trying to mislead her into choosing what they want. And what's the only real choice we have? To destroy capitalism. No, love, you fucking idiot. Well, it could be both. It's the power of... Yeah, but then that's how you destroy capitalism, with love. Also, never mind. (laughs) I was going to start lifting awesome supplies. Hey, FBI guys listening. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, we're too fucking lazy to do anything. Kids, uh, this is how you make a Molotov. We're talking time. about we're talking about Jupiter ascending on a weekday. We <laughs> clearly don't have time management skills. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the power of love conquers all, and it will destroy capitalist spaceships and the the lizard dragon people that I'm obsessed with. I think those are some of the coolest fucking henchmen ever. I made. think lizards get a bad rap in fiction, though. Yeah, there should be, like, a good lizard. Like, that's why I kind of like the, the Elder Scrolls stuff. You can play as a lizard person and not Yeah, but even asshole. then they're, like, they're like shady motherfuckers. In oh, yeah, games. yeah. The Bethesda, like, class system <laughs> is uh, really fucked up. And it's like, oh, if you're, you're a cat person, you're going to get fucking, like, hate crime constantly. Yeah. And it's like, why why is that there? Like, why? why? And they're very based on a very specific group of people. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> Which uh-huh. is a little odd. But, like, lizards, I get it because... They got those beady eyes, like a doll's eye, and like you know, lizard is like the an- like the antithesis of human. Like they're just calculating things, you know. Everyone like when you say like lizard brain, there's like a coldness to it, right? And like we we inherently push back against it. But I'm st- I, I, someone's got to stand up for the lizards. Someone, Someone should make a, a Jupiter ascending spinoff about a brave lizard warrior. Who joins Jupiter's cause. Yeah, there you go. Like the one orc that saved the day in a fucking the Orc Cop movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> orc Cop. Orc Cop. 
Oh my god, here's a unfortunate core memory. I remember Max Landis really railing against this movie. Of course he would. Yeah, he was like, I couldn't sit through it. I had to leave. I had to leave the premiere. Well, he, uh... People thought he was a good writer for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite response... I won't, I won't say who said it, but if you're listening to this, I haven't forgotten it. It's it's so fucking funny. Um, I think, yeah, was, I, know, I think I know. That. Was he ever a good writer... Or did he just talk a lot? <laughs> like, was he ever talented, or did he just not shut up? Like, and he might—he might have just not shut up, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess my hot take is that like I don't hate American Ultra, and I actually still like uh, uh, what's the Chronicle. I'll say this: like, even his bad stuff, there's like a nugget of a good idea in his bad stuff. He's just not a great writer. Yeah, well, he's also just—I also said this he's... before—he's remaking stuff. That's. Alien yeah, Nation well, yeah. Is, is I mean, that's bright. what Victor Frankenstein is about. Yeah, Victor Frankenstein is Reanimator. It, it's yeah, it's literally like just Reanimator, but with Frankenstein, which yeah. is what Reanimator is. Yeah, like it's just, but like you know, whatever. Like that's not if you if you want to do that. The weird thing is to act like you're like like you're saying Stuart Gordon knew what the fuck he was about. Yeah, like he knew he was making schlock. And it didn't stop him from, like, taking it seriously where it needed to, right? Like, yeah. And fucking Max Lanus comes in, like, I'm the fucking biggest dick in the room. I fucking know all this shit. I know tropes. And it's like, nah, man. Like, I, you know, if he had been on, like, if he just come out and been like, nah, I want to do Reanimator, but, like, a steampunk Reanimator. And, like, that's Frankenstein. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Um, but, but also don't be a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you have a helicopter parent. Whoa! Diego is, re- <laughs> of course, referring to I'm the fact sorry. that uh, John Landis really babied his son. And it's just if you do it a little, you know, it's one thing to love your child, but if you do it too much, it, it can it can affect them socially mm-hmm. with other people. And you can kind of tell when like Max Landis won't shut the fuck up that he just he's just got he screws loose socially. But hey, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right? Right. <laughs> Anyways, you listen to John Landis talk to, like, from old interviews. Like, because I, I love... Another guy him. who's, like, way overly confident, but, like, at least had a few good movies under his belt. Yeah, and he was, like, trying to give Orson Welles advice on the day of his indictment. Yeah, on the day! <laughs> <laughs> on the day of his indictment. I can hear, the like, the voice in mm. that... That pull quote. It's not a. It's not a, a, a verbal interview. It's it's on the paper, and <laughs> I can hear Orson being like, "On the day of his indictment." Well, uh, Jupiter Ascending would be Orson Welles' favorite film, possibly. No, he would hate. He, Orson just doesn't like people. Yeah, like I, I tried to spin it, especially people that like were doing okay in the business, like because he wasn't. Mm. Like you know, he was. He was. He was a bitch who loved drama, man. Like, he would just talk shit about everyone. And, like, if I was in a position where he could talk shit about me, and he did, I would send him a thank you note. Like, <laughs> just what you want, man. It's like Don Rickles. You want Don Rickles to insult you. <laughs> you just don't want him to call you a traitor. Yeah, like, that's no. the one. There's no coming that's, back from that. Yeah, you're not coming back from that one. All right, Jupiter All right. Ascending. I'd recommend it, Matt. Would you recommend it? 
I would. I would say, I, again, like, first 20 minutes, I think you kind of got to power through it. Once you get a grasp of what's going on, and that's the thing, I guess, just think it's like you work really hard to figure out what's going on, and then it's like, oh, it's actually a really simple story. I think it throws people off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, just give into it. It's about a space princess. Like, just roll with it, man. Like, you'll have fun. Um, it's it's for kids, basically. Even though, like, a knife gets thrown through someone's face at some point. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. I don't know. What the fuck? All right. Well, hey, it is time to use the random number generator. Yes, so we it can is. To determine the next film. Oh boy! All right, we got five left. So here, I'm, I'm hitting the numbers. In... Five left, and and Monkey Bone isn't one of them because we already did that. Yeah, Monkey Bone, and it changed the world. <laughs> I'm holding on to my thoughts until we record. <laughs> but our episode itself changed the world. Yes. It was such a powerful episode. You know what else changed the world? Michael Mann's Heat 2. Which All will, right. Which will apparently come out at the same time as this episode of Retrospective for Miami Vice. All right. That's We're finally three. doing. All right. Good. So we got four left after that. Uh, check out the poster if you're curious. I'm going to I'm gonna keep them on the down low if you don't know because I think there's at least one fun surprise for people who don't know. Yeah. How many? So we got four left now. Yeah, four left. All right. We will have done nine by this point. Okay. It's pretty good. So, yeah, we, we, we did all, we ended up deciding on a lot of movies to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're all, like, interesting. Yeah. Like, I haven't, I haven't been, like, angry. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, we've been angry, but there hasn't been one that, like, felt like we showed up and, like, we're like, we don't have anything to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel mm-hmm. like... There's probably more to talk about with Jupiter Ascending, but we've we've been on like a, a Wachowski sisters run for like since last fall, kind of. Yeah, and we're uh, I th- this other than Bound, um, we've done all of them now. Yeah. So, oh man. So Bound is the only one left. Oh um, well, thank you to the Wachowski sisters for their incredible filmography. We will do Bound at some point, probably. Just yeah, we'll find a way to do just it because it's. Yeah, shocker, we like it. Um, <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the lesbian noir thriller collection <laughs> retrospective. Yeah. Oh, um, there's so much fun shit to talk about. Just like the making of alone, even apart from like the film's actual quality. That I'm. I'm... Welcome. Oh, welcome sorry. to the Joey Pants retrospective. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God, they're all in Chucky season two. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. That's I gotta watch that. <laughs> I gotta watch that show now. Also, just because I love Chucky. and yeah. yeah, whatever. Uh, Yeah, next week, Miami Vice. Matt, thanks for joining me. Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Where you can get early access to the next retrospective. Check out the other podcasts we're doing. Gene and I are talking to people. There'll probably be some other stuff we're talking about on there. We're, we're doing conversational stuff. Um... We definitely have some fun stuff coming up in, like, August and September, which is when I believe this will probably be out around, right? Yes? August, sure. August-ish? I don't know. I don't know time. Time is meaningless. The only thing that matters is is the Channing Tatum little floaty boots that I want, because those are really cool, and they look cheaper than paying for gas in California, so... All right, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.
told me the truth about why you wanted her. That planet belongs to me. Not anymore. Your Majesty, I have more in common with a dog than I have with you. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. Here we go. 